It's midday here on this Monday, September 27th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for hanging out with us so far. Great show coming up for you today, as always. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen. Another terrific weekend for UNK football this past Saturday. Getting the road W. We'll hear more about that. Of course, Husker football. Tough road loss at Michigan State as well. Bob Rogan will come in, tell us how stocks are looking, if there's green so far here on this Monday early, well, late morning, early afternoon, depending where you're listening. And uh, in about 15 minutes, we'll catch up with our own Paul Perkins on a regional ag weather update. Numerous records were broken yesterday in terms of the temperatures. Likely another possibility we'll see uh, records broken today. Coming up in our regional ag weather update is 90s in the forecast for much of our listening area. But first, let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield, who I believe is just down the road in a Kearney. Susan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and yes, I am just down the road in Kearney for the NRD's annual meeting that's underway. It looks like from the Twitter photos you have, a great crowd as well. Oh, amazing crowd. You know, they didn't have the meeting last year due to COVID. And this year, I think I'm interested to see where the numbers are at. But the rooms are full. Folks are learning a lot and really kind of updating themselves over things that have been happening the last two years. Mm, Okay. Now, is that just is this a one day conference or is it continuing to tomorrow? No, for them, it continues tomorrow. I'll just be here today. Today's their big awards luncheon that's about to get underway. So I've been doing some interviews with some amazing award winners, but Hmm. they'll continue tomorrow. They're going to be talking about fire suppression is one of the topics that they're going to be looking at and just learning more about things that they can do to encourage folks to to plant trees and and be more conservation friendly. Okay. All right. Well, we'll look forward to those uh, interviews coming up in the near future. But what do you have coming up for today? Well, I'll kick off everything here at 1219. I talked to Richard Giltner, and he is the manager of the Bessie Nursery that's located in Halsey. He talked about buffer strips, but that's for protecting your trees when you go out in the field. We'll talk about more of that and the importance of planting trees within your farming operation. Alex comes in at 1245 as she speaks with Adam Wagner, Director of Marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council, recapping the fiscal year and talks about the role the beef have had in Climate Week NYC. And then Bryce is in at 117 as we check in on harvest progress and a preview of an upcoming USDA report with Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners. So that's a midday from our farm team. Okay, good stuff. Appreciate it, Susan. We'll let you get back to the conference. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. A beautiful Saturday, a good win for UNK football. It was one on the road, being Central Missouri, found a way to get it done down the stretch. Their 4 0 big game coming up on Saturday night at Hayes against the Tigers, who uh, got off to a slow start this year. They've won two in a row. Uh, winning close games continues to be an issue for the Huskers, and that will be discussed here in just a little bit as Scott Frost will host his weekly uh, news conference. And I don't know what you say, just same thing. Find new ways to lose. Uh, Especially late in games. Special teams are unbelievably bad, but nobody is surprised by that, I guess. It hasn't so gotten much better. That's that's yeah. what's troubling. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll find out more coming up in sports. Let's turn things over to Bob Rogan. How are stocks? Stocks are off to a mixed start as uh, gains for banks and energy companies are being checked by drops in the uh, technology sector. Boston uh, Federal Reserve President Eric Rosengren says he's going to retire on September 30th. Um, he has some health problems, and he has qualified for a kidney transplant. So those are a couple of the items that are making news today. Okay, great stuff. All that coming up here on Midday, but first... Like one of our own. 
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins is now joining us. and Well, Paul, it's uh, feeling like a summer day once again. At least it's a dry heat, though. True. Because uh, many of us uh, with some very low dew points, uh, so it's at least comfortable with this heat, but really starting to warm up across the area. Already uh, seeing some temperatures currently as mm. warm as 90 in the Grand Island area, or in the Kearney area. Now, I'm... I, something tells me that's a bit of an anomaly because all the other locations around the, yeah. the Kearney area are in the upper 70s to low 80s. But current temperature in Kearney, according to what we're seeing here, and this is as of uh, right now, uh, just a few minutes ago, up mm. to 90. So these temperatures may, and some of these other readings are a bit lower or are, are, are a little bit older. So that may actually be correct. Yes, yeah. So that's hard to tell. Well, and it's warmed up very quick in the last hour or two hours, really, since I came on the air. I mean, we were seeing mostly 60s and 70s, but now mostly 80s across the entire area, 80s and 90s down in Kansas as well. But we were talking before we came on uh, yesterday, uh, numerous records were broken. Yeah, this time of year, that air really warms up quickly since it is dry. And we saw many locations soar into the 90s yesterday. Grand Island hit 95, breaking their old record at 94. Hastings hit 94, breaking their old record by a degree. Record high of 93 in the North Platte area. Uh, 94 broke their old record in 93 back in 74. In McCook, they broke a 100-year record of... 90, uh, it hit 99 in McCook, broke the old record of 96, set back in 1919. Hill City also breaking a, their old record high of 96 with a high of 99 yesterday. Goodland hit 97, broke an old record of 95 from last year. And then 100 was the stay high in Nebraska and Kansas. And that was reached at Trenton in southwest Nebraska and Tribune in western Kansas. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, it fell hot, but... Dang, I didn't know we were getting that hot in certain areas and 100 degrees out there. Goodness gracious. But uh, as you mentioned, yeah, those dew points, they're pretty low right now. Yeah, many of us with dew points in the low 50s. And once again, at last check, in many locations, we had temperatures mainly in the low to mid uh, 80s. Uh, still down to a cool 72 at last check in the North Platte area. But otherwise, uh, really warming up across the area. some mid-80s to right around 90. Once again, at last year, mm-hmm. we do have some temperatures showing at 90 in Kearney and also 90 at Oakley in western Kansas. Well, those two locations of 90, it's just the start of what's to come for most of us, as most of us will see 90 before the day is over. You mentioned near-record highs in the low to mid-90s possible today as the ridge of high pressure continues to remain overhead. Fire weather concerns near critical with the low humidity, but luckily the winds aren't too strong and the wind gusts expected to be at 20 or less. Scattered thunderstorms developing over southwest later for tomorrow, then tracking to the northeast are a possibility with an area of low pressure beginning to push out of the four corners. Expecting another warm day for tomorrow with temperatures near 90, but by late in the day, some scattered thunderstorms expected to develop over the southwest and track to the northeast. Many locations, though, expected to remain dry through Wednesday morning. Widespread thunderstorms develop along a cold front and with that main low Wednesday afternoon through Wednesday night. So that's when the main show occurs, Wednesday afternoon through Wednesday night. Most locations likely to see an inch of rain with this system or more by Thursday morning. A few storms could be severe late tomorrow and Wednesday, but the overall severe threat expected to remain low. Now, Thursday through the weekend, a little more uncertainty. One forecast model indicating a return to dry weather as soon as Thursday afternoon, while other forecast models keep some lingering chances for thunderstorms through the weekend. Overall, some uh, a cooler trend on the way with daytime highs dropping into the 60s and the 70s.
Thursdays. Latest long-term forecast indicates the cool-down won't last long, though. Temperatures overall are likely to be warmer than normal this weekend through October 10th in Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. Rainfall indicated to be near normal to slightly above normal this weekend through October 10th in Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors impacting market trade include hot and dry weather earlier this week that or early this week that changes to rainy weather in at least the plains and more rain chances across South America. Much of the U.S. will receive little or no rain the next five days. Rain develops by midweek across the central and southern plains, then becomes more widespread towards the end of the week. Five-day rain totals could reach one to three inches from Nebraska to Texas, with similar amounts extending into the western Gulf Coast. Dry weather should prevail throughout the week in much of the eastern third of the U.S. Across the southern plains, dry and hot weather this past weekend Excellent for the harvest, but continue to sap the soil moisture for winter wheat. Rain in the middle of this week will improve soil moisture for winter wheat, but hamper harvest a bit. Southern Plains temperatures will remain elevated where rain does not occur, which may cause further heat stress. Rain in the Northern Plains expected to be more scattered with above normal temperatures continuing. For the Midwest, scattered rain this past weekend was mostly light. Warmer temperatures helped the soggy soils from last week to dry out. Drier and warmer weather in the Midwest for much of this week will promote harvest progress before harvest is hindered later in the week by the expected rain. Central Brazil had scattered rain over the weekend, but more is needed to officially start their wet season in many places. The scattered rain over central Brazil this week should increase soybean planting. A few more scattered showers across south Brazil this week, a benefit for all the crops. So enjoy the warm temperatures today and tomorrow because by midweek and towards the end of the week, it's going to cool off and rain is in the forecast. Yeah, definitely turning wetter here. Once again, Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon into Wednesday night, that likelihood for some thunderstorms. And once again, many locations could see an inch or more of rain. Wow. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Otherwise, today it's going to be a hot one. Already is in certain areas. <laughs> Very dry and hot. All right. Uh, for for the forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Slick Power District. Usually this time of year, producers are thinking about what kind of seed they're going to put in the ground for the next growing season. But it's also the time of year. Producers are looking at what kind of trees they're going to plant come spring. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I am at the NRD's annual meeting that is taking place in Kearney. And I sat down to talk with Richard Giltner. He is with the Charles Bessie Tree Nursery out of Halsey. As we talked about things that those in agriculture need to think about when growing trees. Yeah, folks really want to get out there and look at their windbreaks, uh, see how they're doing. Uh, if they've lost plant material, they can um, go to their local um, NRD and talk with their, their folks there and, and get replacement plants for those trees um, or for those windbreaks and, and get those planted in the spring. Uh, now, fall is a good time to plant. However, you got to be careful with that. You want to make sure that um, there's plenty of moisture in the ground and those, those plants, if you're going back into an existing windbreak, you got to be careful if the trees are very well established and tall those small seedlings that you put in there have to compete with those those other root systems and they suck all the moisture away from that new seedling so you got to be careful Uh, on top of that in the fall you would probably only be planting container trees and not bare root seedlings um, where that's what you would predominantly plant in the spring is bare root seedlings so with all the different things that we've had happening with trees in nebraska with insects what are some good trees that we need to be looking at for these farm operations uh well of course you want to look at fir 
first uh, the the native species that we have. Um, we've got ponderosa pine. We've got limber pine. Um, you know, of course, we've got eastern red cedar. It is a native, and and it should not be planted in every location. Uh, but it is a native plant. It is very adaptable and very tough. Um, there's been lots of issues over the years with insect. Um, anytime we have a um, a hailstorm or a bad weather event, um, it's very detrimental to our pines. Uh, in those windbreaks, they get damaged easily, and with those open wounds, they then get secondary infections, which is, you know, typically diplodia, especially in ponderosa pine, Austrian pine. Um, and then once they're, they're stressed uh, further, uh, insects come in and finish them off. Uh, and then on top of that, you also have to look at if they're next to a farm area um, and you've got corn and soybeans in there, uh, farmers need to be careful with what they're spraying and how close they're spraying and what, what the wind direction is that day. Uh, these windbreaks are not Roundup ready. They're not dicamba ready or anything else ready. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the pines within those windbreaks are very susceptible to herbicides and get damaged easily. And that's just one more stressor on them. It's a, that, that's a very common thing that I've heard over many, many years now is that, gosh, why are all my pine windbreaks dying? It's so sad. Um, we're talking about that buffer strips and how important it is to have that buffer area out of all the calls that I get for issues with windbreaks that's the number one um, uh, and, and it can even happen from the get-go before they even plant the windbreak um, you know we've got so many chemicals that we can use to go into an area and clean up and um, all of the other weeds in there before we plant a windbreak but we have to think is that herbicide going to stay in the ground is it going to cause us issues something like plateau uh, that can be very problematic uh, then you go back in and, and and plant these seedlings and they there's residual herbicide there and it damages them or stresses them my conversation with richard giltner from the Bessie Nursery in Halsey. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen is joining us. And boy, Husker fans uh, getting a little anxious after a tough loss this past Saturday once again. Seen it before. Huskers have dropped 15 of their last 20 games decided by 8 points or less under head coach Scott Frost. And linebacker JoJo Doman says they just have to keep fighting. Ultimately, our identity is not in wins and losses. You know, This is Nebraska football. We take pride in that. And so we owe it to Nebraska football to respond from this, learn something from this, be better from this, because what else can we do at this point? All three of Nebraska's losses this year have been one-possession games. The Huskers will host Northwestern this Saturday night at 6.30. Here's... Okay, so I defended the Huskers a couple of days last week. I think it was after Oklahoma. And you saw the Joel Klatt thing where he said the Huskers are, are you know, they're close, blah, 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 blah. And I was starting to think about it, too. Okay, so let's say the Huskers start to win a couple of these games. They're going to graduate a lot of these guys next year, so they've got to redo it all over again. So it's it's not like uh, we're just right there. No, that's that's how it works in college football, yeah. and Nebraska continues to struggle. I saw someone, I think it was Mitch Sherman on Twitter, he uh, he showed the long kick made yes, yesterday yes, by the he, Ravens, yeah, and he good. says, hey, that's, that's one way Nebraska yeah. hasn't lost. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it might be coming. <laughs> 
Quarterback T.J. Davis rushed in from a yard out with 22 seconds to go to help UNK rally past Central Missouri on Saturday afternoon, 31-28. And head coach Josh Lynn says Lopers just found a way. It's a win that we had to overcome some adversity. Um, not that we hadn't before, but I think this was a different case. I don't think, you know, our first our first half of football wasn't our best half of football, and our, our kids dug deep and won the game, and I think that's the most important thing today. See, they're the opposite. They, they find ways to get it done. Mm-hmm. Not that the two are connected, but the last-minute Lopers improved to 4-0 they snapped a seven-game losing streak to the Mules. Mm. It's also their second straight win in the final minute, and three of their four wins this year have been come from behind this Saturday, a tough one on the road at 2-2, two two, Fort A. State. Great win for them. We talked about this over and over and over. If you're going to take that next step, you got to win those games. You know, unlike Nebraska, they also, he didn't have a very, set up very well either, did head coach Joshley when he came in. That was a team that struggled, and he's done a wonderful job coming in and revamping the program. I've always said if you know what you're doing, it doesn't take that long. Mm-hmm. And you can go other examples around the country mm-hmm. where they've got it turned around. Now, some jobs are different than others, but Josh Lynn had a mess on his hands. They were 1-21 the two years before he got there. And now they're going to be ranked higher a little bit, I would assume? Probably, yeah. They, they got a shot to have a special mm-hmm. year. The annual UNK High School Cross Country Invite is taking place at Carney Country Club. The meet allows teams from across Nebraska a chance to run the state championship course. It just started a little bit ago with the girls' Class D race at noon. Boys' Class A will finish up at 4. Kind of a warm day, but this is a big deal. 140 schools and close to 2,000 runners expected to take part. Hopefully everyone stays hydrated. Uh, plenty of sunscreen today. and. I guarantee you when they have the state meet in a little more than a month there, Carney, it won't be uh what's the temp now? Well, it's 86 yeah. in Carney. It's not going to be that, uh, no. I don't think. You would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Nebraska Secretary of State Bob Evnen has announced that he'll seek a second term in office. Evnen, a Republican, was first elected in 2018. He previously served on the Nebraska State Board of Education and was an attorney in Lincoln. The Secretary of State serves as Nebraska's chief elections officer, oversees business operations, and represents Nebraska agriculture and business around the world, promoting trade opportunities. The Dawson County Courthouse is closed today due to a computer issue in the building. No transactions of any kind are taking place. A coalition of Nebraska community organizations and supporters are collecting signatures for a ballot initiative that would raise the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2026. Nancy Williams with the group No More Empty Pots says the measure can directly address poverty, which she believes is at the root of a host of challenges facing Nebraska families, from food and housing insecurity to educational opportunities for youth. When we have a higher wage for more workers, that will give them more income to be able to take care of basic needs Williams says raising the minimum wage will impact one in five Nebraska workers across the state, and most are not high school students making extra cash. 81% from the data that we have are ages 20 and older. About a third of those have a high school diploma. So it is not just 
for teenagers. It's for everyone who does the work. Williams adds that teenagers contribute to their family's income and all workers deserve to be paid a fair wage. The Hall County Sheriff's Department is looking for a man involved in an assault last Thursday morning. The Sheriff's Department says deputies responded to the Grand Island Regional Hospital around 11.30 Thursday morning in reference to an assault that happened in Alda. They say deputies contacted the victim, and after an investigation, they determined that 36-year-old James Timmerman pointed a gun at the victim and threatened to shoot her at their home in Alda earlier that morning. Authorities say Timmerman also physically assaulted the victim and stole items from her before taking her to the hospital. Officials say Timmerman went in the hospital with her and then left. The sheriff's department says his whereabouts are unknown at this time and he should be considered armed and dangerous. An arrest warrant has been issued for Timmerman's arrest. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroll. Our agriculture. Nebraska Beef Council is getting ready to wrap up its fiscal year and today we're going to learn a little bit more about what that means for the organization. We're joined on the phone by Adam Wagner. He's the director of marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council. Adam, you and I were chatting just before we came over the airwaves today that the fiscal year is wrapping up for the Nebraska Beef Council. Tell us a little bit more about what this means for the organization and what's ahead. Yeah, you're exactly right. We are finishing up the end of our year at the end of this month, actually. And it's always a really busy time of the month where we're uh, trying to wrap up uh, projects, make sure they're all completed, make sure that the invoices have been uh, settled and that sort of thing. But it's also a time that we take a brief moment just to celebrate the success of the past 12 months. And obviously, we're still dealing with some of the challenges of COVID-19, but 2021 has really been a great year for the beef industry. Um, This year, we helped fund four major research projects through UNL and the Meat Animal Research Center here in Nebraska. We worked with several independent contractors to help implement some projects like uh, Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance, the Ag Sack Lunch Program, the Nebraska Lead Program, and uh, Ag in the Classroom. Then we also enhanced our uh, advertising campaign with a comprehensive digital outreach plan. And then we had the addition of some uh, billboards that were put up across the state this year as well. On the nutrition front, we implemented programs like Nutrition Adventure, where we targeted dietitian influencers from across the country, and then we've also educated uh, some of our physicians and nursing staff here in Nebraska's major medical facilities like Bryan Health, Omaha Methodist, UNMC, and even CHI Health. So while some of these programs might look a little different this year because of COVID, we've still really been able to effectively promote beef and beef nutrition to our target audience. And we certainly look forward to executing more of those programs in the upcoming year. So you mentioned some of those programs, one of which was the very popular Beef Passport program. Now, this is kind of officially over for this year, but recap this program for us. How did it go? You're exactly right. We've been really excited about that program. Uh, The consumer response was really great this summer. We sent out thousands of these passports. And as you recall, this program was offered as a prize incentive for people who visited the participating restaurants, they order beef menu items, and then they collect uh, passport stamps. 
the promotion period has ended, and we'll be announcing the winners of this uh, promotion very soon. But one of the things I think is really neat about the Beef Passport is that, yes, it promotes beef and encourages people to enjoy beef while they're dining out, but it has also helped restaurants who have been dealing with the hardships of COVID. And uh, we've had all kinds of positive feedback from the participating restaurants that have said they've enjoyed seeing new faces in their establishment and have really enjoyed being part of the Beef Passport. So we're going to be evaluating that program over the next few months, and we're looking forward to making some improvements as we uh, roll it out again next year. Looking into the next year, what do you guys have any ideas of, of some new things you can do with the Beef Passport or, or anything like that? Yeah, we're going to take this passport program and, and hopefully extend it so that we can include additional promotions throughout the year. So maybe it's not just for restaurants during the summer, but we might have some uh, additional incentive programs that we'll roll out uh, maybe during the holiday season, for example. So we think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to use this program, uh, really develop a, a base of consumers who enjoy beef and uh, be able to reach out to them on a consistent basis. All right. Well, moving from statewide efforts to uh, efforts in other states, we're talking about Climate Week that's happening in New York City. And the Beef Council has some involvement in this. Can you tell me more? Yeah, you're exactly right. The, you know, uh, the, the past week, Climate Week in New York City kicked off. And Climate Week is really, it's hosted annually by an international nonprofit called the Climate Group. It's in conjunction with the United Nations and with the city of New York. And it's been established as kind of a global initiative to accelerate the climate action and assess the progress by businesses and organizations who are working to reduce their impact on the environment. And this really provides a great opportunity for the beef checkoff to proactively share beef sustainability story and our positive information about uh, the role beef has in a healthy, sustainable diet. So the Beef It's What's For Dinner brand has been sharing content all week long on social media, outlining Beef's role in protecting, and in many cases, improving the environment. And there's also been an official Climate Week New York City panel event that was held on September 23rd entitled Cattle's Role in Climate Solution. And the panel included a cattle rancher, uh, environmental scientists, a chef, and a nutritionist. The NCBA, which is a contract of the Beef Checkoff, hosted this event, and we're really appreciative of the issues management team at NCBA for their efforts in uh, correcting some of that misinformation about the beef industry and, and the impact that we have on the environment. And while this was an emphasis just this past week, we're going to continue to share that environmental content throughout the year. Very cool. Good work happening all over the nation. Adam, thanks so much. You bet. Thank you. And that again is Adam Wagner joining us. He's director of marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council. And if you want to learn more about all things happening with the Nebraska Beef Council, you can visit their website, nebeef.org. I just logged on to their website and it looks like they also updated their tailgating treasures recipe link. Uh, so if you are planning to attend the Nebraska versus Northwestern game this weekend, or maybe you're having a party at home, you can certainly go here and find some new recipes, including easy roast beef potluck rolls and nacho beef dip, also some cheese head sliders and flanky beef stuffed pinwheels. All that is at nebeef.org. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Stocks are off to a mixed start on Wall Street today as gains for banks and energy companies are checked by drops in the technology sector. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. 
The S&P 500 at one point was down two points to 4,452. The Dow was up 231 points to 35,030, and the Nasdaq was down 84 points to 14,965. Boston Federal Reserve President Eric Rosengren says he'll retire on September 30th. Rosengren also says he has qualified for a kidney transplant. Rosengren's announcement comes after investments by him and other Fed officials last year have come under scrutiny and raised questions about the Fed's ethics rules. Rosengren had already planned to retire in June when he reached 65, a mandatory retirement age, but decided to retire earlier. Facebook is putting a pause on its Instagram Kids platform geared towards children under 13 so it can address concerns about accessibility and content. Adam Osseri, the head of Instagram, writes in a blog post today that this will allow the company time to work with parents, experts, policymakers, and regulators to listen to their concerns and to demonstrate the value and importance of this project for younger teens online today. A member of a new generation of Ford family members is taking on another leadership role at the automaker. Alexandra Ford English, the daughter of Ford Executive Chairman Bill Ford, was named Global Brand Merchandising Director today. The 33-year-old already serves on the company's board of directors. She will push for growth in sales of Ford brand merchandise. Bill Ford is 64 and is getting closer to retirement age. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob. On Mondays, we like to catch up on the markets with Jeff Peterson, who's the president of Heartland Farm Partners. Jeff, it's always good to see you. Let's talk first and foremost about how harvest is going. What are some of the reports you've heard across the state and really across the country so far? You know, harvest is getting off to a good start. It, it's interesting, though, Bryce. We've got some guys that are moving right along, and, and honestly, if the rains would stay away later this week, they'd probably finish up on soybeans, but we have other individuals that have you know just barely got started or thinking about getting started. I think a general trend, though, would be here in the western Corn Belt. So if we'd say, you know, take Iowa, take Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, overall I think yields are probably just a little bit better than what was expected. Now that isn't the case on each and every field, but that's kind of what we're feeling. But in the Eastern Corn Belt though, it actually is just the opposite. Now they were looking for some record type yields and uh, it, it just isn't quite coming in that way. So they've, you know, their yields are off from where they were. Harvest progress is moving along. Uh, report out, you know, this afternoon we'd, we'd expect to see probably corn and beans somewhere around about that 18% harvested level and and that's not going full speed yet by no means you know on on the corn side uh, that would be up about 8% from last week and and when we start getting running really heavy and get everybody switched over we ought to see 15 20% a week and on beans that'd be about a 12% improvement you know what we're gonna find later in the week we're gonna have some rains that are gonna come that's gonna slow things up that's probably gonna give us a little bit of firmness to the basis as we as as we go forward and overall the basis is holding in pretty well. Let me ask this, Jeff. How important is that crop progress report each Monday? Is it something you just monitor to see how things are going or does it actually impact how the markets are trading? Yeah couple pieces to that. So I, I believe that it is from the crop progress side or from the harvest progress side. It's, it's a good indicator to just watch how things are moving along. Does it impact the market a lot? Probably not too much um, unless we get the extremes, unless we're extremely fast on harvest or it's just moving along really slow. And then the good to excellent rating starts losing its significance, but it still at least gives us a way to be able to kind of gauge and say, what do we think on the yields here? We'll see some funny changes happen, but but we, we still like to monitor it just to kind of give us a feel of what everybody is actually seeing out there. 
Okay, this week quarterly stocks is due. Remind our viewers what that report tells you and how that's created. Yeah, so in the quarterly stocks report, what's real always interesting about that, especially in the in the September one here, is that that's USDA in particular NAS. What they're attempting to do is do, through surveys determine how much grain was left on the farm. The reason they do the way they do that is they survey the farmers, ask them what they've got left out there, and then on the commercial grain traders, they also send out the reports to them, and and usually they're getting eighty to 90% of the grain facilities are estimate or your reporting and so they're trying to physically ask how many stocks they have on the corn beans wheat all the commodities now why that's important is that early in the month we got the WASD report and that gave us an estimation of where the ending stocks would have been on September you know first and so as a result of that uh, what we're able to compare to the quarterly stocks report that comes out this week will also say where do we think stocks were on September 1st so that will give us a way to actually ground truth how were the estimates based on paper compared to the estimates based on surveys. What are your expectations for that report? We're kind of thinking stocks are going to come in, you know, if anything, maybe a little bit tighter than what USDA was was saying in the WASD report. Uh, the only reason we believe that, Bryce, is because as we looked at the basis levels, um, basis has been extremely tight on, on corn and also been very good on soybeans. And that usually indicates to us that ultimately stocks are tight out there in the country. Jeff Peterson, the president of Heartland Farm Partners, joining us. Jeff, always good to talk to you. You bet. Same here. I'm Bryce Duskin on the Rural Radio Network. Care. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's take a check at the closing grain trade. To do so, we'll talk with the market analyst John Payne. He's senior marketing analyst for Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the daily newsletter This Week in Grain. John, green, a lot of green on the screen. Most notably, though, corn having a big 2% day on the or gains on the day. Is this coming from solid export numbers or concerns that maybe those yields aren't quite as good as we get into early harvest? I mean, corn's due. You know, you could talk supply side all you want. I mean, make a case for 180 bushel yields or make a case for 177 or 174. And I still think you're going to see the market rally because corn, where, where relative wheat prices and input costs are. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the example. It's, it's oversimplifying it, but it's the example that they would give you is like, you know, a Hershey bar used to cost a nickel. And it's like, well, yeah, it did. And, you know, the, the gas to get you there was, was a quarter and now everything's triple that amount or quadruple that amount. So we're at a point now where you got input costs, specifically fertilizers. I'm just talking to some folks here in the fertilizer industry right now, just about doubling of prices um, is, is that we've seen really in the last 18 months. So it's not, that's not prepared for. And I think it's a, it's just, it's a theme that's consistent with every other market out there, which is tightness and, you know, supply hoarding and rationing needed. Uh, we're not seeing that in corn at $5. So I think the, the, the market's easier stream is higher regardless of yield. Um, you know, as long as the Chinese economy doesn't melt down and, you know, cause some sort of liquidity crisis, I think, you know, $200 a metric ton on the board with corn, for corn prices is going to hold up given that we're trading $350 wheat and, you know, north of that for spring wheat, $400 plus. As we're looking, wheat has a little bit of a down day on Monday. So for us to continue and sustain this type of rally, do we need corn to be the leader, or or is wheat going to, unfortunately, if it continues to move lower, is that something that's a risk to the rest of the complex? No, I don't think wheat's – I mean, wheat might move lower if you see some Russian movements with their export taxes. I think there's a lot of kind of they're – hiding, they're hiking taxes, so prices are going up, you know, and that's just kind of feeding on itself to a certain degree. But – 
Um, you know, we haven't seen anybody really default on buys yet. You know, I mean, these, these prices are high enough where folks are taking them still. And I, I think that the market has a lot of value, uh, commodity side in general. Um, you know, I, I am a little nervous, I guess, being long uh, with the, um, what do you call it, the, the government in, in shutdown and, you know, all these bills trying to be passed. But it is what it is at this point. I think corn's worst case scenario is priced in. Those lows of the fives should hold that we saw a couple weeks ago. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. More DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday podcast available now or available later this afternoon at krvn.com.